It's good to have everybody here. Thank you for being here. Some of you pressed through. I know John and Cindy over there, you're dealing with a broken arm with your dad, and there's just all, all of us are facing things. That's where this message kind of comes burnt out of today, out of, out of uh, all that we're facing. We're praying for kids while they're out in the cars with parents, and there's just a lot going on in our lives today. Just a lot going on. Everywhere you turn, it's just, it's just not only a pandemic that we're facing, but problem after problem after problem. Every day it's a new phone call that this is going on, and this this one's in the hospital and that one's here and this has happened and somebody's died and it just everywhere we turn it, it just uh it brings us to a place where this week to be honest I I was looking for a message and Marcy knows I, I, I seek the Lord to try to hear what God will I listen to sermon after sermon I get into the word of God and I I, I don't want to come up here I, I just don't want to come up here with something that's not, I don't feel burning, in, that I don't believe and that's not just burning in me. And I told Marcy, I said, I'm struggling. I'm just struggling this week and I felt so empty. How many's felt empty lately? I just felt empty. I mean, just like nothing, blah. Just like, you know, try to go to the Bible and there's nothing and just try to go to prayer and there's nothing and just, just empty and discouraged and down and just feeling soulless. And, uh, and man, just uh, a, a day or so ago, finally, uh, uh, God brought me to a place where I want to speak to you today on you need a second wind. You need a second wind. And uh, I believe God wants to speak to us today uh, about needing something breathed into us needing something breathed into us that he wants to breathe into our lives about a uh, how many how many need a significant touch from God I believe we need a we need something breathed into our lives our soulless lives that would just bring life to us something to help us finish the race how many want to finish the race yeah come on I mean look folks I mean you turn on your news every day look I mean this is the world we're living in Israel, this is a, I sent this to people, and it, it, it's just, uh, it says this, this is, this is your headlines in your news. We won't force vaccine, but companies could say you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without the vaccine. Okay, you couldn't go in a, you couldn't go in a, 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 a Piggly Wiggly without a mask. I mean, you saw how fast your world got changed. I mean, folks, we are living in a day when that's not fiction. That, that's the, we're going into a system. The beast is rising. And we're going into a day where the, it's already here, where they're planning to bring the mark of the beast into this society. That's not the Bible or some quack preacher saying that. That is your newspaper. That's what your world governments are planning. That's what your corporations are forcing down on the population now. I mean, that's where we're living, folks. That's the day in which we're living in. And, and we need something. There's a, there's a term. Uh, I don't know how many athletes in this room there are. Uh, definitely, uh, if you're a marathon runner, and I don't, I don't know, I don't see too many. Anybody ever run a marathon? This guy sure didn't. I, I did a little bit of track, but, you know, I didn't do, I, I wanted the shortest distance possible. And uh, a mile would about kill me. And so, anyway, but I do remember this term. There's a term called, uh, anybody ever heard about when you get your second wind? 
You get your second win. You ever experience that? You're just like running a race like a tomb. Mine was a fun run and they weren't that fun. You know, but you run a race and you're going in, let's say the fun run, but you marathon runners, you're running your 20 something miles. Uh, and, and anyway, I'm running just about a mile and halfway through I'm gasping for air like I'm going to die and not make it to the finish line. And all of a sudden though, something begins to happen if you keep pressing through and you keep going. A lot of football, if you ever ever did spring workouts or summer workouts, you'll think you're going to die if you've ever gone through a, uh, that in your life before. But you're, you're just running and running. I wrestled one year and I never did it again. My IQ level just got way up after that when they ran me up bleachers and down bleachers and I got chin splints on, on, my, on my ankles and you're running with garbage bags to try to lose weight and none of it made sense whatsoever. But, but there's a place you come to where you are about to die and just can't go on on any more and then all of a sudden something in the natural kicks in and you get this second win you get this second burst of endorphins and strength that causes you to go on and finish the race and go the extra distance and make it to the end and that's what God wants to do for us today in the not in the natural but in the spiritual in the supernatural God wants to give you something into you he wants to breathe something into you that will cause you to go the rest of the distance that you need to go in this race with the Lord. How many want that? I want to endure to the end, don't you? I don't want to give up. I don't want to be sour. I don't want to be discouraged. I, want to, I don't want to be de depressed. I don't want to not be out here running the race and helping people and doing what I'm supposed to do until He comes. I don't want that. I want to be enduring to the end. So God, give us this thing called this second wind today. And that's what I want to talk about. That burst of, uh, of just something that, get, that when, we, when we're fatigued. And, and folks, we're fatigued. The world is fatigued right now. People are absolutely distraught. They're discouraged. They're, they're, they're just absolutely battle fatigued. And, 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 and Paul went through things like that where he was buffeted, where, he was, where he, was, he was getting hit at every angle. But he would say things like, I'm comforted by the Holy Spirit. He's quickened. I believe he got that second wind to keep going the full distance. And that's what God wants to do today in our lives. So you talk about people today and, and you look at them, they're lacking this luster, they're lacking, uh, they're, they're, they're a bit on edge. Everybody notice that people are on edge today? They're on edge, they're struggling in different kinds of ways. And in the midst of that, I believe God wants to come. He wants to meet us right where we are and He wants to do something in our lives to refresh us and to blow His wind into us. And He wants to inspire us. The Bible says that as men spoke, and that's what I hope is happening today, as men spoke and as they spoke that, that people were inspired by God. Men as they spoke were inspired by God and the people were inspired by God. And that word inspired, it literally means uh, it, it's something that blesses us. It, it refreshes us. The inspired in the Greek means it means that God breathed into them something from heaven. As men spoke, uh, they got inspired. Something was breathed into them from heaven. The very word words of heaven were breathed into them and people heard the very words of heaven and it inspired them and it was breathed into them. The breath of heaven was breathed into them. That's what the word of God, it's alive. We say it's alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Yes. It's God breathed. Yes. God breathed. 
So what I'm speaking to you today hopefully inspires you with the breath of God breathes into you as you receive it. And we get our second wind. And God wants to breathe something into us to dispel that discouragement in you today, to dispel that downcast spirit. And it's God's will. Listen, it's God's will. You want to know the will of God? It's God's will for you to have hope. It's God's will for you to have peace. It's God's will for you to have joy. It's God's will for you not to be captivated, but for you to be uh, absolutely, to have the joy of the Lord as His strength. That's what He wants for His people. That's That's what he wants for your children, just as you want that for your children. Amen. He doesn't want you long faced. He doesn't want you down. He doesn't want you downcast. He doesn't want you discouraged. He doesn't want you defeated. He doesn't want us to have a woe is me mentality, a pessimist mentality. He doesn't want that in our life. He wants you to be anchored in hope, anchored in the word, infused with his life, the breath of heaven to come in and to be, be live in you. He, he doesn't want you to be filled with cynicism. He doesn't want you to be filled with complaints. He doesn't want you to be filled with these things. But often we choose those things, don't we? We choose to feed on things that are not heavenly. And we be, we're earthly minded and we feed on it. And then we become cynics. We become complainers. We become gripers. We become murmurers. And I'm seeing an awful lot of that and less of the God breath coming into the life of people. And that's why God says to dwell on those things that are filled with life and life. Finally, brothers, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Folks, that tells me what you're watching on CNN and Fox, it ain't doing that. What you're eating on this stupid device is not doing that for you. It's not good. It's not commendable. It's not noble. It's not holy. And God wants to have you to have an eternal outlook. He wants you to see into eternity. And so I want to look at a verse of Scripture today to help you understand what the heart of God is for us today. And I think you'll be quite, I hope you'll be quite pleasantly, I don't, you shouldn't be surprised, but I hope we'll believe it today. Let's go back to the beginning to Genesis 2-7. And I want you to look at how you came into being. Maybe a lot of you don't know because we've been fed a bunch of muck out of your school systems and out of your universities. An absolute lie. This theory of evolution that is absolute garbage. Here's where God, how He created you. This is why we feel like, I mean, like we want to take our lives and and commit suicide because we just all came swinging in trees and from some primordial ooze, some, some sludge out of the earth when in reality God did something special in creation. And we ought to bring that back into, into the school and back into the home and read it to our children so they'll know they have value and worth again. And listen. 
Genesis 2, 7, he he says this. He says, uh, we were designed and created by God. He formed us by his own hands. And and here's what he says. He says, you're unique. You're intimately. He became intimately acquainted with you. That's what the Bible says. He said when he when he when he spoke, he spoke everything to existence, the sun, the moon and the stars. But he did something with you that was so different. He became into him, intimately acquainted with you. The only part of creation that he came down and said, it's different. I'm going to do something different with you. I'm not just going to speak you into being. I'm going to form you and fashion you out of my heart with my hands. Oh, that's a lot different than I just happened. By happenstance, I'm here. Baloney. Where are the Christians standing up against this stuff? We just sat and slept and let it take over. Genesis 2-7, then the Lord God, here's what your purpose was, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature or living soul. You may be seated. He created a body. And then He breathed into this earthen vessel, John. And the Bible says He breathed the breath of life and we became a living soul. Two worlds began to meet in one body. Two worlds, heaven and the natural. Two worlds all of a sudden come and meet in this one man when he breathes his breath into him, his life into him. All of a sudden, these two worlds, that which was taken from the earth and is natural, now has that which is heavenly that comes out of God into us. Folks, that is amazing. That which is out of God was breathed into this. Oh, I wish I could. I just want to hit something. I want you to get excited. Do you not understand the God of the universe came and you which were natural, He breathed His life into you? Are you crazy? Are you crazy, God? That which is so precious and yet we treat it with such disdain. He breathed into you His life. His life. Oh, my life's so bad. He breathed into you His life. God. God. I didn't get the iPhone I wanted. God's life. And heaven and earth meet in humanity. You're about to study it. All we want to care about is Santa Claus and wrapping paper. You're about to study the God who came to earth in the incarnation, put himself in a body and came to live inside of you and me. And we're scared of a virus. And man becomes a living soul with the capacity 
to respond to God and to know God. He has the capacity of consciousness and all that that entails. And the word for soul is the word neshema and it has to do with divine life. He breathed His divine spiritual life that was imparted by God into this earthen vessel. Heaven met earth. The divine met the natural in you and in me. And it's out of this breath of God's breath that we derive our spiritual being. Hear me. It's out of this breath of God's breath that we desire our, that, that, that we derive our spiritual being. Something of, you ain't all that. You didn't make yourself spiritual. You ain't all that studying and doing all you do and teaching and, and all that. God breathed His divine breath into you. And you became a spiritual being. And God imparts His own life into us and something of heaven or eternity came into our souls and we were then built for eternity. We were built for God. We were built for... So God breathed what His nasha, which is the verb, into Adam's life and Adam became a living neshema. He became a living soul. He breathed His breath, His nasha into you and you became a living soul. A spiritual being. And all of a sudden He imparted out of Him into you this mind of Christ that you have, the will, the emotions, the creativity, and the capacity to love. You are different than an animal. I know you love your animals, but quit treating them like they're above human beings. They're not. And He gave this man and woman that He breathed into the capacity to feel and to experience this world and the capacity to create and the capacity to build and the capacity to have purpose and the capacity to have peace and the capacity to have strength and the capacity to take care of this world, tend the ground, tend the garden, take care of it. And it flowed right out of God's heart into your heart. And we became a shining example of the image of God. And they were made in my image. And in my likeness, we began to have these look like God different from all the other creatures because of the neshema that was breathed into us. But then what happened quickly? The fall. You read immediately right in Genesis and we see the fall that began to take place where Adam, the Bible says, took this life in him for granted, the Bible says. And all of a sudden, he began to choose and say, I want to have my own life apart from God. I want to live apart from God and I want to do my own thing. I want my own plans. I want to crack my own way. I want to craft my own desire. And we see this immediately that begins to take place where he says he took this life that was given to him and began to live it independent or autonomous from God. Like many of you and me. Away from the source of life. And the temptation was if you do this you can become like God. 
You can become the ruler of your own world. You don't need that stuffy God telling you what to do. You can, you can do for yourself, and you can be the ruler of You can make your own decisions of right and wrong. You, you can be the maker of your own pathway, and we're still doing this today. And when that happens, something tragically happened. Adam and Eve now became tragically uh, confined to the natural world around them. They began to be confined by all that was around them rather than God's breath, rather than, 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 than uh, what, what God had intended them to be in in his image and the moment Adam stepped into that independence this terrible thing happened they were cut off from the life of God and now Adam had this wonderful world it seemed like because he had a nice wife he had wonderful children he had all the things at his disposal the Bible says but he became shut off from the source of the life of God go with me to Ecclesiastes real quick God has had me in this book I don't know why. Well, I do know why. But it was never a book that piqued my interest too much. I'd advise you to read it. He became shut off from the source of life. And he began living a life described in Ecclesiastes. And I dare to say we're living it today. Do you know that they say when this pandemic's over... This thing, folks, it is designed, it is designed to destroy. They say 40% of people who went to church in America will not go to church when this thing is open, over. I mean, they're not going to tell us to shut our churches down. We're shutting them down. And, and, and... And we're just seeing this, this that was began in, in Ecclesiastes where, where all of a sudden this man who once knew God now writes about this terrible empty life without God. This man who once, he's even called the preacher in it. This man named Solomon walked with God, knew God, and yet he's backslidden as he writes this. And listen to some of the things. He exchanged wisdom with knowing God for knowledge. He exchanged everything that was heavenly for everything in this world. And that, that's exactly what he did. And Solomon describes, as you read it, this experience of living independent life away from God under the sun. That's what he keeps referring to a phrase, under the sun. A closed system apart from God that he creates for himself. Away from the divine life of God. Remember, God came down and heaven met earth in man. And he breathed his breath. But now Adam pushes that out. Chooses this world and everything around it. God is shut out now. And the life of God. And now he's in this closed system under the sun. And that's where a lot of us are today. And Solomon is writing as a backslidden man without the presence of God now. And he's very empty. Very empty, kind of like what coronavirus is exposing in the hearts of America. All we're finding out is we got a lot of cracks in our armor and we're a very, very sad, miserable, empty people. 
who can't stand living without our movies, who can't stand living without going to our restaurants, who can't stand living without this and without that, and can't stand without going, 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 and that's all we're finding out. And so Solomon is in this closed system and he writes about this emptiness and this futility that's found in a life of living under the sun without God. And here's what he writes. Solomon had everything. Listen, he, he tried everything. Sounds like America, again, the great American, the new American experience. Where just, uh, I mean, like if it feels good, do it. Have everything you want. I mean, Solomon did that. And there was nothing that he didn't try, both good and bad. I mean, you read it. It's so, I, I, it just literally had me in tears just reading it. it. There was no sin that he didn't allow himself to have. There was no indulgence that he didn't allow himself to have. There was no extravagance that he didn't allow himself to have. There was no project that he didn't allow himself to do. I mean, he built gardens. He had military projects. He had agricultural projects. He had women. He had money. He had fame. I mean, his fame went out into all the world. Even the Queen of Sheba comes and says, oh, I heard about your fame. I mean, this man had everything in a closed system except he found that even after having everything and living in that closed system, he was a miserable man. And you keep hearing words like futility and vanity, and vanity, and vanity. It's all vanity. A world without God is vanity. Listen to a few verses. Ecclesiastes 1.3. Here's what a man without in a closed system without God writes. He says, what benefit do people get from all the effort which they expend on the earth? Ecclesiastes 1.14, I've seen everything that is done under the sun in that place where God isn't. And behold, all is vanity and striving or chasing after the wind. One translation says running after the wind. Ecclesiastes 2.17 So I hated life because what? The work is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is futility and the striving after the wind. Ecclesiastes 3.19 For what happens or what is the fate of the children of man or the humans? And what happens to the beast or the animals is the same. As one dies, so dies another. They all have the same breath and man has no advantage over the animals for all is vanity and both are fleeting emptiness 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 is all this man has now Ecclesiastes 4 4 then I saw or considered that all the toil and all the skill in work came from man's envy of neighbor competition between one person and another this also was vanity and striving after the wind. Doesn't that sound like today? Doesn't that sound like the dog-eat-dog world that we have? My neighbor got a boat and I need to have a better boat. I mean, don't you hate that guy? He works less than I do and look at all the stuff he's got in his yard. And I mean, just vanity after vanity after vanity. Ecclesiastes 9, 11. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong or the warriors, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent or the discerning nor favor to those with knowledge or ability, but time and chance happen to them all. 
He's living in a place like Adam now where everything around him is natural. He is enslaved to the world system around him and he has no remedy to, to remedy the, the emptiness of his soul. In fact, his soul is lost. He's lost the life of God that he had breathed into him. And he's dead inside. He's, he's just absolutely dead. And, and, and the language Solomon uses really interesting. He uses the, these words, life without God is chasing the wind. It's like trying to catch the wind. And that's what he says, living in this closed system under the heaven without the life of God, is like chasing the wind. It's like grasping at things. Oh, I gotta have, I'm so miserable. I gotta have the new iPhone. Have you got the new iPhone? Oh, I've gotta have, I mean, I got to have. Have you seen the new car? The new car that's coming out? Oh, I've gotta have the new, I'm chasing the wind. I'm chasing that thing now that is that, that was in me at one time. That connection with God. That breath of God inside of me. I'm trying to get back to that feeling I had in the garden, but I'm chasing it in the futility of this world and I just chase after it. Oh, if I could just look good, give me some olive olay, give me a facelift so that my beauty is not fading and fleeting. If I could just have the perfect looking family and put them all on Facebook like our worlds are just so great. If I could just put it out there and it looks so good and so real. If we could just go somewhere for the holidays and forget everything around us, then maybe, maybe, but Solomon said, I did it all. It's just chasing the wind, friend. And even when you get it, oh, if I could just be CEO. Oh, if I could just be CEO. Oh, if I could just be CEO, I'd be something. I'd be somebody. I'd feel satisfied. And you get CEO, and they're the most lonely men sitting in their office. Think, like Alexander the Great, I've conquered the world, and there's nothing left to conquer. And there's this lust inside and this ache inside just chasing the wind. It's never enough. Never enough. Never enough. Never enough. Never enough. Just like Adam, he exchanged the spiritual for the natural. And he's really trying to get back to chase to, to, to the breath of God. It's really what he's trying to get back to, the life in the garden. That's what we're all chasing, folks. That's, what we're, that's the only thing that's going to satisfy is trying to find the breath of God and yet trying to find the, the shame of God or the breath of God. But we keep chasing, trying to get connected again with the creator of the world, of the universe, but we keep chasing it in all these other things, thinking that it will satisfy only to grasp it. And wow, it flows through your fingers and we think that would have satisfied me. No, so I'll turn to this and no, I'll turn to that. And it just becomes futile. But what you don't realize is you're really chasing after God. Jesus talked about futility of life under the sun. You may remember a question he, he posed that's really a piercing question in Mark 8.36. He said, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit or lose his soul? The Neshema, the breath of God. What shall it gain you if you lose that which God put into you? 
I'm going to say it again. What shall it gain you if you lose that which God has put into you? For a closed system under the sun. See, that wasn't just about eternal. We always read that verse in eternity and say, well, you know, you, you lose it and, and, and uh, it's about having your soul in eternity. But that wasn't just about that. It was doing things here and now that you lose your soul. By doing the things that, that around you, by grasping and chasing the wind, by doing what Solomon had done, it, it, that, that, that you, could, you are soulless. You are only about yourself and what you want and it's causing you to become soulless. It's a, I deposited something into your life and you have now exchanged it for this other stuff and now you're, you're, you're becoming soulless. And folks, there was a time in our society where we had certain restraints. There was a certain moral constraint and you saw where everybody played nice, but now it's starting to come undone and now we're starting to see just how far man has fallen from the image of God. Turn on your news. And you're starting to see a soulless world. You're starting to see uh, uh, people that, that, that uh, uh, and the aftermath of chasing the wind, a heartless people, a people no longer in the image, bearing the image of God, no longer with the breath of God. Have you ever heard the, the expression or you've said it about somebody? Does that person even have a soul? Come on, you see the rapist on television or whatever, and we say, man, does that guy even have a soul? Is there not any goodness left inside of that person at all? Is there any bit of goodness? They have lost what it really means to truly be human. And to truly be human was to have this neshama breathed into us and, and, and to become like God and to, be, and, and to represent God and to bear the image of God. And we exchanged that and we have come and turned into something that is demonic and that is sensual and that is evil and that is taken on the nature of hell instead of the nature of God and we're without grace, we're without discernment we're, we're, we're without discretion we're without peace, we're without mercy, we're without strength just look at your politicians just look at the corporations how they exploit the point, how they exploit the poor today look at the social media, how it's controlling your minds, do you understand folks that they build algorithms into this, I mean behind the scenes you are being played the fool you are being played the fool on Facebook you're being played the fool on Instagram you're being played the fool behind the scenes there's algorithms to just to just destroy you and to push stuff to you and to make you soulless and to cause you to want things under the sun, apart from God. It's designed. It's there. We read about it, but we do nothing about it. We keep exchanging the breath and the neshama of God for this. And we've lost the heart of God. And we're feeding on the Kardashians. And we call it living. And we're feeding on conspiracy theories and we're feeding on political agendas and we're feeding on filthy humor and we're feeding on empty sexual encounters and we maintain that somehow we're living. 
And I tell you, we're not living and you need a second wind. I can see it in your faces. I can see it in our hearts. I can hear it in our voices. I can see it all over the place. I can see it in your social media posts. We are not living. We're chasing after the wind under the sun and it's produced a world on edge. It's produced a world that is now in division. It's in anger. It's in frustration. It's in emptiness. And it's not only in the world. It's in the church. I'm going to close in a minute. If you come to a church for a 10-minute sermon, you're in the wrong church. If you came for a skit and you came for a seeker-sensitive message, it's down the road. In Revelation 3.17, he speaks to the Laodicean church. And he says, for you say, I'm rich and I prospered and I have need of nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, Poor, blind, and naked. In other words, you have become soulless, empty, and naked because you're looking to this world for your life and it ain't working. You're looking to external things and this is why Jesus came. He came so that He could reconcile us to the Creator of the world and so that your neshama would be revived. He wants to revive you. And here in closing, what we have had, He wants to give you union with fellowship and with God where real life comes from. And what we have seen in this pandemic, as I said earlier, is it has exposed what we've been chasing, the wind. Looking for things that are not after God's heart, like movies, sports, jobs, food, projects. It's exposed the cracks. It showed us our pursuits. It showed us where our appetites have been. And I hope you're becoming like me. I'm starting to see the futility in my own soul and maybe in my own soullessness. I see where I lack compassion. I see where I lack concern for others. If you can walk by a brother or sister in need right now and you ignore them, something's wrong. And through this pandemic, a lot of us have become more cynical, more judgmental, more critical, and more empty. I said more empty than ever before. And here's where I got good news, though. Psalms 23, 7 says, He restoreth my soul. And that word in Hebrew has the connotation of bringing something to life that was dead or dying. He restoreth my soul. He breathes into me again. I asked, I had a couple of people at work, a couple of people at lunch with me a couple of weeks ago, and I just looked them dead in the eye. I leave here a lot of times and I just say, Marcy, am I doing something wrong? Sometimes I wish I could bring all of you up here and look out there. I don't want you turning cartwheels. I don't want you putting on a show. I don't want you doing something fake. But I said, 
When I make an altar call and I say, how many want more of God? I'm thinking the whole place should be, I mean, people should be running. And I looked at people, I looked them in the eye, and Marcy said, ask them. I don't understand where our, where our older generation, where, when, when we say, do you want more of God? Why are we not in this altar? Being the first, God, give me more. Are we embarrassed? Do we think people are going to look at us like we don't have God? I mean, where, where are the young people crying out, give me more of God? It's the same few people each week. Folks, I know sometimes we have this idea that the altar is just one time when you get saved. But my goodness, if it's in your seat, if it's in wherever, can we run and say, dear God, we're a people that need you. We need more of you. Could somebody join in and begin to say, God, God, help us! Is it pride? Is it you don't care? I, I, I'm just struggling. I don't know. Is it you're contemplating it? I don't know. I just want to see. God, we need you. Do you want your souls revived? Open your mouth and He'll feel it. He restores my soul. He brings me back to life. I'm going to close two more scriptures, man. I'm sorry, but I can't help it. John 20 and 22. The disciples are huddled in fear. The crucifixion has happened. They're discouraged. It's like the pandemic. Jesus comes through the wall or the door or somehow He appears in their midst. And here's what it says. Jesus breathes on them in that place of brokenness, in that place of emptiness, in that place of being afraid. And He said, receive you the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing that happened in Genesis. He breathed His neshama on them and they received what they had with Him in the beginning. What they've been chasing. So I no longer have to chase after the things under the sun. I now, heaven can meet earth in me again. And He restores something. He takes them out from under the sun, S-U-N, and places them into the sun. Or the sun into them. And maybe today you feel shut in. Maybe you feel the failure and the fatigue and all these things. But Jesus can pass through all these things and He can come and breathe a second wind into us and bring us out of this place of discouragement. The last place is this example is in the upper room and it's 40 days later and these guys are gathered together in an upper room and the Bible says that it was the wind and the breath of God that came down and the Holy Spirit came down and it, this wasn't just about feeling some type or shadow. This was a reinstitution of the life of heaven. It was a reinstitution of the life of heaven. He was now breathing into them and enlivening them with the Spirit of God. And this afternoon, folks, He wants to breathe into you and to enliven you with the Spirit of God. He wants to take that tired and that weary heart. He wants to take that Brad where you've been feeling soulless, where you've been feeling so discouraged, where you've been feeling so depressed, where you feel like you have no life and you've been chasing the wind through sex and through this and through relationship and through everything else that you're trying to bring you just a hint of joy and I want God, God says I want to breathe into you again Brad I want to breathe into you 
And so I want to pray for you right now. And everything feels exposed with the pandemic. Everything feels like crazy. Like my Bible reading is pathetic now. (laughs) My church plans are pathetic. I mean, everything's wrecked. Everything I try to do, it's just wrecked. And it's like, God, I need something fresh. God, I need something from heaven. God, I don't want to go back to that anyway. I don't want to go back to living under the sun. I don't want to go back to church the way it was. I don't want to go back to my life before the way it was. I want something fresh. I want you to breathe something into me. I want you to restore my joy, my love, my humanity. I want you to take away my cynicism, my sarcasm, my complaints. And I want you to fill my mouth with praise. So my altar call is simply, Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. Breathe into us with your neshama again. And Lord, cause us to live. Cause us to be filled with your joy in your life. Father, we love you. I pray for this congregation. I pray for myself. Dear God, I pray, Lord, for us, Lord, that we, through this pandemic, our world has been shaken, God, and things have been exposed, dear God, that we have been living a life, God. We've even been living in church, God, of trying to fulfill our lives, trying to create church for man, trying to make things pleasing for us, God, whether it's uh, chasing a ball, God, on a football field or whether it's chasing a golf ball or whether it's, uh, Lord, buying a new outfit or keeping up with the Kardashians or, Lord, whether it's going to see the latest uh, Marvel movie or whatever it is. And I'm not saying all of those things in and of themselves are bad, but God, we're chasing the wind. We're chasing the wind, God. If we're looking for life in these things, the only place, God, to fill this void and to find life is in You, God. It is in You, God. God. And Lord, those, those disciples, I think about them in that upper room, they were downcast, they were despondent. Lord, like the wind had been taken out of their sails because their Messiah was dead. And now, God, he, he has been buried and risen from the grave and He's told them to wait there. And they wait until the breath of God comes and enlivens them again. And oh God, if the American church ever needed anything, if this American pastor ever needed anything, God, I need to be breathed on. I need to be enlivened with Your breath from heaven. And so Father, do that for us today. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to do anything. But I just pray that God, that as we worship God, and as we ask You to fill us, God, that You would fill us with the breath of God today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.